everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what's going on in the world of poker. I have an interesting article I wanted to run down with Joe tonight. A uh, uh, little trick uh, to work on your game, and it's really something you probably never, ever thought of before. So I'll just tease it like that, and we'll talk Good. about it later in the middle segment. You caught my interest already. so <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how well I'll be able to... Uh, push forward the concept of it, but uh, we'll give it a shot and see how it goes. Uh, certainly, uh, some things are happening around the world of poker. We know that the Borgata opens tomorrow for the first time. Uh, Atlantic City has been basically shut down. As the numbers are rising in that area? <laughs> exactly. I, w- I just want to mention that real briefly. We thought, you know, COVID can't be left out of the conversation ever, but uh, I was just thinking back to maybe like May, something like that. Uh when uh, Governor Cuomo had a, had a press conference every day, and I was glued to it because I, I was so entertained by him and the way he explained things and, and what people should do. And you look back at New York, and, and they had it so bad for a while and went basically down to uh, completely repelling the uh, the pandemic and, uh, and really handled it the absolutely the right way. Unfortunately now, People let their guard down. There's a lot of uh, uh, mitigation fatigue, they're calling it now, and uh, that's certainly out there. But uh, things have a chance of coming back, and and unfortunately, people just want to do their thing, and I I understand that. Dave, it's not that that it's coming back. I think it has come back because Europe – Europe has started closing, you know, uh, you know, countries again. Um, you know, numbers in the states are, are rising. This is nothing kind of new to me. I mean, because I believe Dr. Anthony Fauci that this would occur and it could be possibly worse than the first, you know, the first wave. And um, you know, unfortunately, you know, the economy had to open up, I guess, and uh, this is what's happening. So. Yeah, Trump refuses to let up on the guy. And um, let me tell you, yeah, I know, but, but he won't let him go because he knows the backlash. (laughs) I believe the public backlash would be very big uh, because, you know, he has stood up to Trump every single time. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I understand how devastating the shutdown of the economy and to handle it a second time would just. Be nearly impossible. Uh, I don't know, Joe Castello. What do you think about shutting down the economy I, I, again? I think I am to the point where everybody I encounter is on the absolute ragged edge of aggravation and annoyance, and it's sad. And I don't like us to be like this. And I know your audience, like everybody's a good person who just wants to have fun and uh, live their lives and be positive. That having been said, the only reason. We are here in this fractured situation is because it was handled poorly from the beginning. You only get one chance to make a first impression, and that methodology is true with this. If you mess it up from the beginning, 
It's always going to be all ungecocked, and that's what we're dealing with. You've got these two different factions. Everybody watches the news, regardless of who you support. Uh, they talk to Trump supporters, and they ask them, like, if Trump told you to wear the mask, would you wear a mask? And they're like, yeah, of course we would wear a mask. Why don't you wear a mask? Well, he's saying that it's our option. It doesn't really matter. And so that's what has caused the problem this whole time, the confusion What's right? What's wrong? What's political? What's not political? What's real? What's fake? What's a hoax? Remember, this is their new hoax. It is just going to go away. It's going to go when it heats up. Like all of those things confused enough people that now it's just continuing to grow. It never went away. And now the second wave, the winter wave is coming. And there's nothing, you know, nobody wants to shut down again. And I don't think we can't shut down again. But if every single person just said, hey, guys, let's all wear face coverings at all times when in public because we need to do it. The virus would be diminished. That works. Right. It's proven. Right. And they won't do it, Dave and Joe. They won't. They won't. It's their freedom. No. And it goes back to and I'm sorry you got me on a rant here. You're catching me on a tough day. Found out some tough news today. You know, I, I found out some tough news today. I found out a good friend of mine got killed in a in a totally different situation. And I'm all emotional. Sorry, listeners. But the bombers are coming. It's a far off distant land. Your local uh, an enemy, your local community says, turn off the lights. And you say, no, I refuse to turn off my lights because I am free. And I refuse to listen to you, local government. I don't want to listen to what you say to turn off my lights. I'm going to leave my lights on because that is my right. That is the same thing that happens when you're not wearing a mask because you're just refusing to comply with what is ultimately, you know, it's the greater good, the good of your out of, little out society. Out of selfishness. Out of, you, you would call it selfishness, but I don't think they would call it selfishness. They no, would call it freedom. They, and, and, you know, you got to try to get in the mind of these people, and that's the only way you're going to get through to them is by trying to see things at their level. Like, what is it that you guys, well, I'm free to do what I want any old time. That's a Soup Dragons line. And <laughs> th- you got to go to them. Guys, you're protecting other people. Not, you're not protecting. You're not afraid. You're not weak because you have the mask. You're courageous because you have the mask. You're saving an elderly person by wearing the face covering. And that has just never been communicated. You know how hard it is to communicate to large masses of people. And when it's all fractured, uh, this is a lesson for the future. You have to have great communication. And our communication has been terrible, off, and even miscommunication. Some would say on purpose. So there you go, Dave. Well, let me push you with one question that we're going to look back on when this whole thing hopefully is gone and in the rearview mirror. Uh, I know how devastating that lockdown was for so many businesses, put people out of business, uh, put people out of work, depleted their savings, maybe even worse. Maybe they had to go hungry for a while. Uh, But when you look back, if we hadn't done that, we probably would be in just an absolutely horrible situation right now. And I think it had to be done at that time because we didn't really have the complete story. Is that even in question? Is what I what I want. For wonder. a lot of people it is. Well, I think that again it goes back to there are still it's 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 an insolvable problem. It's the Kobayashi Maru. You have two large groups of people that are dealing with two totally different 
fact bases. And I'm encountering it with my friends, and they just don't believe what I have to say. And I can cite a story, an article, a medical journal, a moment, a quote, a video, and they just will not accept it. So let's bring it back to poker. Imagine we're playing at a poker table, and the flop, Joe sees different cars than Dave sees. They're going to play, you're going to play your hands different. And then when the time comes to decide who's won the hand, Joe's like, no, man, there's aces out there. And David's like, no, there's not. There's twos out there. And both of you see something different. And there is no dealer to say, uh, Dave, what are you talking about? There's aces out there. And Joe's got the aces and Joe wins the hand. We have no reliable arbiter of facts anymore. And so, excuse me. Early on in this deal, it was obvious we had to shut down. We had to shut down. This thing was rolling over everybody like wildfire. The problem is half the people at that moment, and you got me talking about this pandemic on the poker show. I'm so sorry, people, but this is what's up. Uh, Half the people out there thought through that whole thing, it was all nonsense. It was all BS. Well, where are those people? Guys, do you still believe that? No. So let's go back to that moment. That was a mistake, right? It was a mistake by you, an error in judgment. You misled us too, your friends, your neighbors. We should have stayed locked down. I'm not an expert. If we'd have stayed locked down for three more weeks instead of opening, when did we open? In May? May 1st? June. No, we opened up June. Well, in the state of Florida, we opened up uh, after the first week. I know the casinos opened up June 12th, so... I think I was at Hard Rock in in May, man. I felt like I was... Well, but remember, they opened up before anybody else. Broward and Dade County casinos did not open up till June 12th. And Broward has never closed. And then then shut down again three weeks later, right? Well, and Dade, Miami-Dade did, but Broward never closed down. This should have never been running since June 12th. This should have never been a political thing. They should have gone out of their way to make sure it was not a a political thing. It should have been united leadership and we should have stayed locked down for three more weeks. And we could be like where New York is. We could be, uh, by the way, all these other countries. New York is starting to surge in certain areas also, Joe. Yes. What areas are they? Listen, sooner or later, the economy had to open up because you know yeah, I, I sooner know or later the rest of you guys but i know that i was you know starting to really suffer i was lucky enough to get unemployment for a while but when we closed and then on top of that me missing an extra month of work because of the surgery that i had uh you know has put a financial strain on my family well, there's no doubt about that there's going to be a financial strain but if you recall those additional three weeks that i'm suggesting were the difference maker those were all paid people were collecting their enhanced unemployment so imagine a hurricane is coming and it's a big hurricane and the hurricane is halfway past a third of the way past and you decide you want to go out in the hurricane well you know i got to get out man i got to get out i need money i got to go to work yeah but there's a hurricane joe if you go outside you're not really going to be able to work effectively yeah but i got to get the money i got to go go ahead go out there and drive uber in the hurricane up you're dead it's no different a pandemic is no different. It's the same. And people went out and maybe they did put a couple of coins in their pocket at that time and cost all of us what we're going through now. We're all- well, yeah, that's that's very and, true. And the future know? and what all these other things that may happen as this rolling avalanche of disaster continues upon us. We don't even know what lies ahead in November, December, and January. And all of those things, we're now over 220,000 people. And some think that's not a lot. 
By the way, I, I am aware there are many people, many some in this audience, some in this audience perhaps, that don't think it's that. Yeah, two hundred and twenty thousand people with health issues, you know, large uh, older people like Big Dave have given up on this deal. Just kidding, Big Dave. Just had to take a shot. Come on, man. I got to lighten it up a little bit with a shot at Big Dave. Come on, pandemic talk here at the start. But there are people who think it's not a big deal either. And so that's all. It's it's all messaging. It's all leadership. This is government. This is why you need to have a good, efficient, smart, intelligent, unified government, even though you have different parties. And then, you know, finally, I'll compare it to Chernobyl. If you watch HBO's special Chernobyl, yeah, that was that was great. I saw which which was about uh, you know the nuclear uh, meltdown there, and communism is the ultimate in one party rule, right? Where one government says no, don't tell the truth because it'll make us look bad. Yeah, don't tell the truth because it'll make us look bad. Look, you know, Fauci is out there trying to tell the truth, but please, Anthony, don't tell the truth because it'll make us look bad. And I feel like, you know, it's not yeah. communism, but it's similar. In the way but that they've handled it. that was the perfect example of how dangerous mm-hmm. denial is. And, uh, you know, now here we are now, just repeating it a short time later. But if let I gotta... me ask you guys something. Do you think we would have had the exact same handling of this situation if this had not been an election year? I don't know the answer uh, to that question. I like it. No, you... By whom? By 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 whom? By, by the administration right now. If this had been. After the election, and let's say Trump won re-election, or this had been a year or two earlier, while he still had a year or two in office, and it was not going to affect his term at, at, at in this same year, okay, uh, do you think hit the administration, today's administration, would have handled it the same way? I think it would have handled it differently because obviously uh, his denial right from the beginning that it was really going to be a problem, that was driven by being an election year that's that's my belief that if this had been 2019 or 2018 that i think they would have listened more to the scientists to the doctors and would have handled this differently uh obviously in in an election year and this thing hitting us when the country shut down in the middle of march you know we we were talking less than eight months away from from a major you know from from a presidential election I'm just curious as to whether that would have changed uh, the outcome of how many people have died, uh, how the states and, and the federal government mandates would have been towards, you know, towards this. So. Well, it's it's a good question, but I have never considered that, honestly, through this whole thing. I never really considered that. And you got me thinking here. And I as I do the experiment, I, I think, like, how does he mean, like? Was this used as a political wedge issue? Is that what you're saying? That- no, I'm saying is that, you know, he had to make a decision. He knew that I believe that if the president decided he was going to do the hard shutdown and, you know, not to say the doom and gloom, but follow along the lines of the medical experts who were saying how serious this was going to be, that I, know, I honestly believe uh, President Trump would have, uh, you know, thought this out and said, I can't do this. And if we have a complete shutdown for four, five, six months, look what happened to the economy for a three months shutdown. You know, can you imagine if I had to sh- shut down, you know, the country basically for six or seven months, you know, the, the, the stock markets would have tanked. I mean, you know, the, there would have been a lot of discord in the United States. Well, re- remember the things that he had to say He at the time he said, 
oh, it's just going to go away when the weather gets warmer. And I think he allowed the shutdown to happen because he just figured it was a very short term thing and then he could get on with prepping for the election. So the truth and, and, and his denial of, of what he thought it might be are com- two completely different. Well, things. nobody knows what it was. And that's the whole thing. Uh, when right. you're when your brand is that you got it, whatever it is, I got it covered. I know what it is. I know how to handle it. I can handle it. And you can't show weakness. Um, but every movie, you know, every zombie movie, everything, there's a certain period where you don't know how to kill the zombies, right? And, and every movie, they figure it out. Like, oh, man, what works on these guys? War of the Worlds. Like, we don't know what works on these guys. And there was a period in the virus where we didn't know what worked. There was never going to be a seven-month shutdown. That's just theoretical. It was going to be until we figured out that wearing the face coverings was as effective as we know now. We know now that the face coverings are super effective. Imagine if everybody would just wear them. Then we would be able to go about our business pretty much normally. But people refused to do that because of the information that they were given early on. And the stock market crashing, yeah. If you look at the stock market as the ultimate, and I have, listen, I got a lot of stock market stuff, okay? I love seeing it high, and I hate seeing it low. Yes. <laughs> we all do. Like, don't, you know, I people, agree. Don't, I, I, agree I, I love hard. seeing it high. But guess what? It's going to go, it's going to be higher with stable leadership. This up yeah. and down and craziness, it's going to be more stable with stable leadership. And I, I just think, since you asked, you know, you don't go to a back doctor to get your teeth worked on. You don't go to Joe Rodriguez to learn about knitting. You go to experts in fields, and Donald Trump is very knowledgeable about real estate and buying low and selling high and working negotiations where both people are trying to get something. The idea of handling a -a once-in-a-century pandemic just doesn't seem to be in the wheelhouse of, of his abilities. And that's yeah. not a terrible insult. I'm trying like there could I could come up with a million well, terrible insults listen, about everybody. Who who whose wheelhouse is this? Well, the answer is Doctor Anthony Fauci. It's this. pretty it's pretty much yeah. impossible. Listen, let's get back to poker. I'm sure people are, oh, are they tuning hate, in. They, they uh, hate me. Say, Blame uh, me. Hey, we're close. I did it. it. No, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think people say, uh, well, let's let's face it. Obviously, it is a completely. Uh, something that is there all the time that, that affects everything we do right now. And it's still doing that. But uh, the reason I brought it up basically was because the Borgata is opening tomorrow. Uh, you look at a huge property like that gorgeous gold uh, structure in uh, Atlantic city and how much money that they've lost, not only just the hotel rooms and all the, all the gaming that uh, has been basically shut down, but you wonder how they'll ever be able to survive that. Joe, you live, you from that area. Uh, you know, what are these people uh, going to do, basically? It's a good question. And on top of that, Atlantic City was already trending, you know, economically right. down. You know, casinos had already closed there. So um, that's, a, that's a tremendous question. Outside of the Borgata, maybe Caesars, um, you know, I, I don't know how those other casinos are, are faring there, especially with this complete lockdown. We already know what's happened in Vegas, you know, and Atlantic City. I can't imagine because as far as some of the dealers are concerned, 
the only good part there is I don't know if Maryland, Pennsylvania, which has a lot of casinos that have opened up over the last few years, as we know, um, if they shut down, if they, you know, took the influx of, of customers that, you know, like I said, Broward had to have been the beneficiary of Miami-Dade shutting yeah, down. Yeah. So I would imagine Philadelphia and the neighboring states and areas around there that are probably within a two-hour car drive uh, benefited largely from New Jersey. But I'm not 100% sure because I'm not really sure if they shut down also. Well, they did benefit in, probably in the latter part of the summer. But uh, you, you look at New York and even Massachusetts, you know, they spent all that money on that Encore Casino in, in uh, Boston Harbor and and how much, uh, you know, how many years it was going to take with a normal operation to recover that money and start to make a profit again. Uh, pretty much impossible for them to do that now anytime soon. Yeah, well, the whole the whole entertainment, I mean, Think about it. It's not only the gaming. Gaming is listed as a part of an entertainment business, and obviously with the movies. Look, look, we're in danger of having theaters just completely closed down. What the hell? Where are we going to go watch a movie now? Unless it goes directly to TV. Yeah, um, the Regal know, Cinemas all closing. You know, in New York City, being that I was born there and raised right across the river, you know, Broadway, the the restaurants there. I mean it's amazing, you know, and, and unfortunately this is, this is not just, you know, for the big cities, the smaller towns in this country also, you know, this, this is something that has affected everybody. I mean, think about it. Even if uh, Vegas, even if let's say Nevada was fine and the rest of the country was like that, who the hell, you know, you couldn't get on a plane. You couldn't get a plane to travel over there. States were, were, you know, making sure that even driving, you know, remember when, you know, the state of Florida had a checkpoint, you know, for people coming from uh, from the New York, New Jersey area that they wanted them to quarantine before they could continue their on their journeys. I mean, you know, this we've again, like Joe said, this is a once in a yeah. century stuff we haven't seen it since the spanish flu which was a hundred years ago well just to give you the uh you know the borgatas what's going to happen there uh when they open tomorrow they are going to have plexiglass dividers seven-handed games there, allowed to use 30 of their 77 tables uh can you even imagine that uh and also yeah i can <laughs> uh, only only cash games no uh in the tournaments since tournaments were a big part of what they did Dave, that's true. That is true everywhere. I mean, we're we're going through the same exact thing in our room. Uh, you know, um, I'm sure Dania, where you're working, you know, has separated the, the machines, has, you know, six feet apart. Miami Highlight has done that. I, you know, I'm assuming every single, I know all the paramutuals have done it. I'm assuming the Hard Rock, I haven't been by there uh, since they reopened. But that's the new norm for 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 the casino industry. And right now we're ecstatic that we're able to do that. And I'm sure Atlantic city, the Bogota and whoever else is opening up are ecstatic that they could do that because at least now you're starting to generate some revenue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. Joe, you have one more thing. Well, I just think that it's all about your personal strategy. Like if you think we're going to be able to, bump along the bottom and make a little income uh, by allowing some people to come in and, and that's going to count as life. 
Uh, I guess we can do that. But I really think that the income of every bartender, every waitress, every person that works in the service industry, that then maybe they go and play, like those people are not going to be able to play like they used to play. If we want to get to where we love, like, look, I love Vegas and I love gambling and I love sitting at the table, not just for that one tiny experience. And I'm not so much a poker guy as I am blackjack, craps, roulette, everything else other than poker. And I've told you guys, I don't like playing for your money. I like playing for the house's money. And that's the reason. But I love this show. I want that experience back. This experience that we have now, yeah, it's it's to make a little money and it's to get something in in a tough time, right? Uh, like a speakeasy during Prohibition. I don't want Prohibition. I want the real life that we had. How do we get to that? And the answer is we have to focus on the virus. And yeah. if we don't do that, we're never going to get back there. Yeah, denial will get you in trouble, that's for well, sure. Well, listen, Big Dave, I'll, hopefully for next week's show, I'll have a little bit more insight because my, my daughter and, and her fiancé are leaving for um, Vegas on Friday. Okay. So they're going to spend the weekend over there. So I'll try to get a little bit of uh, insight as to, you know, how, what the new normal is out there. So. Okay. Okay, let's uh, get the focus back here to uh, Florida and poker uh, around the state because uh, uh, the uh, Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa, which we know was up and coming and is trying to get there again, finished a big series over there called Pinktober uh, with the month of October and having a lot of tournaments. There were two major tournaments. Just to give you a couple of numbers here, uh, they had a $400 buy-in series that attracted 854 entries in the four opening flights with a prize pool of uh, 280 plus thousand. Uh, David Sweely, the winner there. And then they had another tournament uh, that was just a $200 buy-in and they had 1,786 entries. So it's nice to see them picking up as well. Players around the state seem to be into traveling over there and playing. In Tampa, and, uh, you said, this right? Is all in Tampa, yeah, which, uh, which has been had a little bit of different outlook almost as if it was another state here from South Florida. Not only that, I mean, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, my financial says that, you know, in the Tampa area, you know, they're, they're treating this almost like there's nothing out there for the yeah, most part. I know, are. I know they are. You know, so, and... Um, and that's not a good thing. No, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. I haven't been following the numbers up there in Tampa or in the state for that matter. But, uh, you know, I was told that this was a few weeks ago. Hey, nobody's wearing masks. Everybody's going out. Blah 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 blah. And, you know, you're going. Well, they're doing that in Tampa down here. We're, we're still in lockdown and everything uh, in Dade. So I don't know what, to, what you know what to think about it when when just within our own state we're following different guidelines for each major city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, t speaking of Tampa, I was looking at this. I'm sorry, I missed uh, your question there, but um, they have they are run, were running the last couple of days. Uh, they were running a promotion for high hands, two thousand dollars hourly uh, from 4 p.m. to midnight. So I, that that's probably kind of shocking to you at this point. Extremely shocking to me. Uh, I don't know if they've gone to. All their tables are open now, you know, because down here. I don't think so. Uh, well, again, that's that's a hell of a promotion for them, for Pablo to be running up there. Congratulations to him. I don't know how many tables they would have open, but, um, you know, 
God bless them because the poker players got to love them up there, drawing people from all over the all over the state. I mean, we do know that there are some rooms that aren't open. Uh, speaking of rooms that aren't, aren't open, but I hear that they will be opening very soon. Is where you're working, Dave, the uh, Dania poker. Yeah, yeah, they're they're planning to open soon. Yeah. So now, real quick, because I, I know we're probably coming up close to a break soon, but uh, on a funny note, or funny, I guess for some of us. But uh, Dave, did you see on the uh, on Facebook on the poker app the uh, the video of no. the dealer? Uh-uh. Well, and for Joe Costello, you should look this up while we go go on YouTube. I'm sure you'll find it. Put put dealer who throws stool at customer. Wow. I am telling you, it is amazing. I it, Every single dealer, I wish the dealer chick was still alive because if she had seen that, she'd have wrote, written about how many thousands of times she's dreamed of doing that. And uh, that that dealer should be a pitcher for the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Marlins, because he had absolutely perfect aim. So for our listeners out there, if you have not seen that, just YouTube, uh, you know, the dealer throwing stool. Where I was believe, it? I believe it was, uh, no, I, you know, outside of the country. I know, got but. it. It's, it's a, it's a seven-second uh, deal. If I can get it on screen so you guys can react to it, you want me to do that? Uh, oh, I would love that. that. I, I mean, think it's I can. Amazing. Stand by. Just uh, you guys, you guys, just stand by and let me <laughs> Wait and let me day. work my magic for you guys. This is what I do. I'm a I'm a producer. I produce is what I do. I just got to figure out what the heck I'm doing. And I'm, I'll I'm telling good. you, Big Dave, you are not going to believe this. Okay, stand, okay, here stand, it goes. Stand by. I'm 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 one second away. I'm one second away. Here we go. Let's go full oh, screen. Oh, there it is. We're going full screen. And can you guys see? Yes, sir. All right. Casino dealer throws a chair at a player. The view is from above. Dave, play by play begins now. Well, there's a player. He's already gotten up from his chair. The dealer's there in the center of the left. They're having a few words. And he <laughs> drills him with it. Wow. Of course, I, it ends right after that, yeah, so we don't know what no, the outcome was. We're going to see it again. The dealer's got a hat. He just grabs the chair and bam! And nailed him right in the face. I, I, we never saw it coming. I'm telling you, it's didn't deep. expect it. Never saw it coming. Let's. I want to look at the reaction of the other players. Oh my god! No, not, enough, <laughs> not even. It cuts off right after. You can't even get a reaction. But oh you wonder my. what he said to the guy. Joe, what's happening there? Is the guy looking to, well, to tip my him? My guess is the guy. Depends on what he said, I guess. Uh, the guy probably, and this actually is not, I, I, this is not even poker. I just didn't realize this till now. Oh, it's blackjack, this, isn't it? This looks like it's uh, Baccarat. Oh, okay. Let me see if it's either Baccarat or one of the DP-style games, because you can see, I just happened to notice the boxes now in front of the players. My guess is, you know, as has happened many times in my career, and hearing it either directed at me or at some of the other dealers, this guy probably started to just insult the dealer in such a nasty way that this person finally had hit that breaking point and completely snapped. I, I, I don't I mean, know if that un- dealer was under- arrested. You understand it, but what would you do as a poker director? What would be your reaction? Well, first of all, as a poker director, you'd have to fire the dealer. You'd hope that the player did not char- uh, press charges. Um, you know, uh, the the 
like you said, I would understand it, but unfortunately, being on the top of management side, you know, you can't, you can't allow that. Yeah, because know? let's face it, no matter what he said, it's over the line, that reaction. Exactly, and think of about it the other way. If a player had done that to a dealer and thrown his chair or something at the dealer, we'd be, you know, we'd be screaming, you know, bloody murder for that player to be arrested, to be barred from ever entering a casino, uh, you know, I have had, I have heard stories, uh, from people who have been in the industry who were, you know, at my age at the time, they were telling me the story and I was probably in my late twenties or mid to late twenties of back in the seventies, how, uh, one person just literally just cold cocked with a slap, uh, a female dealer. Um, he wasn't arrested. Uh, he he did, according to this person, uh, did have to pony up about fifteen twenty thousand dollars in that time. I guess so charges wouldn't be pre- you know uh, brought forth for you know, for him. But as it turns out, that dealer was let go that night from that property and was put assigned to a different property of theirs mm-hmm. somewhere else. All due to the fact that not only was this guy, you know, because in poker they no matter how how big a player you are, you're not going to generate a whole lot of money for the casino. Yeah. But he was also a huge table game player. Um, so that's what they and, were protecting, and they, and they not the poker player. They probably said, well, I was only a woman. Yeah, well, they grabbed her. They said, look, you could do this, but then blah, blah, blah. So she wound up taking a, 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 a very nasty shot from what I was told, walked away with about $15,000, $20,000 that night. And unfortunately, you know, had Terrible. to go work at one of their other properties. That's worth it if you can get that kind of work. <laughs> nah, I don't know about that. But I, I will say thank you, Joe. You know, I, I, I'm sad that we got so intense and it's just very tough on everyone. I'm having a personal thing go on. Thank you for lightening the mood. There's nothing that'll lighten things up like somebody getting blasted in the face with a stool. With a poker stool. Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing that lightens things up like that, Joe. So good yeah, job. Absolutely. Okay, let's head for a break here. Uh, just to close things up on the Seminole Hard Rock, uh, I was looking at this this morning. They have a big series coming up December 2nd through the 14th, and it's called the Winter Poker Open. So if you've missed some of that stuff that you're used to playing down here in Florida, South Florida or in the Jacksonville area, it's not a huge drive to go over there and spend a couple of days and play in some great tournaments. Uh, the main event starts on uh, December the, the 10th, I believe, and uh, they'll finish things up. It's a uh, it's a whole – oh, no, the main event, I'm sorry, is on um, December yeah, December the 10th, $1,700 buy-in with uh, 30,000 chips and a $200,000 guarantee. So – that's all Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. So let's take this break. We'll be back with more of the show. We'll get into that article I discussed earlier. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we hope you'll be with us through the end of the show. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. 
It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard Council. Line. Uh, there's a lot of news going on, mostly on the business side. Uh, of course, the legal stuff involved with the Wire Act still going on. Uh, the Rhode Island, the uh, state of Rhode Island, did win their uh, lawsuit against the uh, Department of Justice. They immediately, of course, appealed, which they always do on those things. Uh, they figure they, they could never be wrong. How could they possibly be wrong? But uh, that will continue on and for probably for the rest of our lives time, lifetimes. Uh, but there is a few other uh, news, uh, and some of it involving uh, William Hill, which is uh, basically uh, a part of the Miami highlight scene down there with a, a race book, which will eventually someday hopefully be a sports book. Uh, they just opened a sports book uh, inside the uh, Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. Uh, that was in July. They had a pop-up sports book there. And they are now working on a per, uh, permanent one in Philadelphia at Harris Philly. So uh, they are expanding altogether. They, of course, were just purchased by uh, they were just purchased by uh, Caesars. So uh, you know the whole uh, Caesars, uh, El Dorado, William Hill conglomerate is just taking off big time, Joe. Yeah, well, and uh, you were speaking about their Washington thing. 
they took the manager, uh, super guy, Sack, who was uh, at our place. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him because he, they, they promoted him to like a general manager of that whole area for William Hill in the Washington, D.C. area uh, during the time that I was down because of surgery. So, And they are doing incredible numbers from what I've been told from uh, the, the, you know, the, the manager who's now there. Uh, it says they're doing unbelievable numbers uh, over yeah. there. So, um, you know, it's it, it, we're just waiting here in Florida, <laughs> Big Dave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was funny because on Facebook we have, I'm not going to mention the gentleman's name since I didn't tell him he'd be on the show, but he always gets on Facebook and does narratives and everything else. And uh, he's a huge Trump supporter. And he goes, hey, I haven't been in Miami Highline in forever. And he's giving everybody a tour of the <laughs> poker room. And then he walks into William Hill and he goes, and look, they, this is what a beautiful room. He goes, they got their sports book here. So you can bet on horses, you can bet on baseball, you can bet on football. <laughs> and I'm Not listening quite. to this going, no, you can't. No, you can't. Right, exactly. Uh, so that all will shake out pretty ne- sometime next year. I guess the Caesars already had a 20% stake in William Hill and they're purchasing the other 80%, but the price tag was $3.7 billion. And you wonder, uh, you know, what they're going to do. It's really kind of a tough time to wonder if uh, just around the corner, everything's going to be back to normal. But I guess that's the hope and the thought right now. Right. And, you know, from people that I've talked in the industry, they, you know, the process is going to take a good six, six to seven months uh, you know, before it becomes official, they do believe it will become official because of the money they're paying per stock, you know, compared to what it's at on, you know, now on the market. But, uh, you know, the interesting part is someone told me that they probably would be looking to sell off their international uh, aspect of their business and just hold on to the, uh, you know, the United States business here. So very possible. And, and that to me is an anticipation that, uh, you know, obviously the Supreme Court, what was it, two, three years ago, allowed the states to, you know, individually vote on whether they want to do sports betting. And, you know, there are multiple states out there that already you could go in and bet like you would if you were in Vegas. Um, and I'm sure they're just anticipating that more states will open up uh, in the very near future. Uh, what happens basically in some of these things, when one of them has a big sale, there's a domino effect. Because as you mentioned, they do want to unload some of the other properties that they've wanted to. Uh, the other one that just happened very recently is Caesars unloaded uh, Bally's uh, to Twin River. And I can remember when Twin River was just a, basically a little tiny dog track up in the Northeast. Uh, and now they are uh, picking up the whole Bally's brand. Uh, they are, they, they bought the Atlantic city casino and they're applying the Bally's name to all their other stuff. So uh, and, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Dave. Does that include the Paris property? Because in Vegas, you know, the Paris and Bally's have a, a connecting uh, walkway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, uh, they did allow that uh, Bally's Vegas uh, property, uh, which I don't think is Paris, but there's another Bally's out there, right? Uh, well, the big Bally's is right next door to Paris. And like I said, you you can walk from one to the other without stepping outside. Well, they gave uh, Caesars a, a, a license in particular perpetuity to uh, use the brand name uh, for a while, for many years, I guess, to come. So we'll see. 
Anyway, uh, one other note I wanted to mention that I came across. We talked a lot about Mike Sexton and the passing of Mike. There is actually a uh, an auction going on. Uh, the Mike Sexton tribute auction started last Sunday, runs for two weeks until uh, the end of October, I guess, till October 26th. But uh, they're selling a lot of Mike's uh, memorabilia that he had over the years. Uh, I don't know. Are you a, were you ever a memorabilia collector? No, not really, Dave. Uh, you know, obviously, if I was to collect anything of memorabilia, it would be more along uh, being such a diehard Yankee fan. I'd love to have, you know, anything concerning the Yankees from Babe Ruth and, right. and stuff like, you know, from that from that era of the Yankees, the 50s, uh, you know, anything along that history. Um, as far as as far as like, you know, with poker and everything else, uh, you know, maybe owning a bracelet, you know, even though you wouldn't earn it as far as playing and winning it. But if uh, maybe one of the, you know, World Series main event early bracelets or, you know, something along those lines came up, I'd be interested from, a you know, from a poker aspect because my, my life, my, the majority of my life has been involved around that. Well, a lot of the photos are with the people that he worked with and did TV with over the years. Uh, obviously, Vince Van Patten. And, uh, and if you remember Shana Hyatt, she used to be the uh, girl who did the introductions and the interviews uh, before Lynn Gilmartin. Uh, but he also has this one picture. They said one of the most impressive was it was a, a photo of Sexton, Chip Reese, Doyle Brunson, Lyle Berman, and Bobby Baldwin following the first broadcast of the WPT in 2003 on the Travel Channel. Are all those guys in the Poker Hall of Fame? Yes, as far as I know. Yeah, so th that would be a very interesting uh, thing. To be honest with you, you know, as you were you know, mentioning memorabilia with this, Something I'd be interested in is to have something from Stu Unger. You yeah, know, that, yeah, that would be yeah. that would be someone that I would, you know, wouldn't mind having some sort of memorabilia from uh, Stu Unger. You know, uh, Mike Sexton, again, I'd love to have a recording of Mike Sexton because of that, that wonderful voice that he had when he spoke, you know, when he did something like that. But as far as memorabilia, maybe maybe something of value signed by Doyle Brunson and um, and something from Stu Unger. Um, again, if I was looking for something, maybe something that would let you know about the Phil Hellmuth and um, um, who was it? Uh, the men, 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 Gwyn, that, men, that, men, the master, men, the master. Uh, I'm more of that early, early stuff if from. The more recent stuff, which is actually, think about it, Dave, 17 years since Moneymaker. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been that long. Uh, but, you know, something along those lines there. Those are the things that would interest, interest me, you know, uh, from a poker aspect. He said there's a collage of his uh, victory over Daniel Negreanu back in, uh, I think it was around 2006, in the World Series of Poker Tournament of Champions. Uh, as far as physical stuff, he – I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but Mike was actually uh, into gymnastics when he was at Ohio State University. Wow. Okay. So uh, he was a gymnast. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm thinking about this on a personal basis, though, Dave. But to be honest, if if I was able to acquire some of these memorabilia, you know, like Mike Sexton, uh, you just mentioned one of my all-time favorites, Daniel Negreanu. 
if I could get Stu Unger stuff. I'd love to start like a little, you know, I don't know if I want to call it a Hall of Fame area, but similar to what we had in Miami. Remember in Miami Highlight, that little room that was kind of to honor the the history of Highlight. Uh, remember that they had the bust of uh, the guy Pedro who originally Pedro Pedro right, Pedro Mir. Oh, and then there was and one the of uh, Buddy Bar- of the- Buddy Berenson also. Right, and, and then you had the, the players. black plastic glasses on there. Yeah, you remember how remember the players would dress back from the twenties and thirties, and right. you know, I'd love to be able to have a poker room that was, you know, that nice and and had that history, you know, that 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 people who were visiting visiting the town could come in and and visit the history, you know, what I perceive to be the history of poker. Uh, which in that case, I wouldn't mind going all the way back to, you know, the, the 1800s, you know, and the cards that didn't have the symbols or the numbers on them, you know, they were just the pips on them. And, and you had to decipher whether that was a Jack, a queen, a king. You see those cards in the movies, you know what I'm talking about? Right, something, right. something along those lines. I'd love to be able to have a memorabilia room, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a very nice, sophisticated poker room. Uh, to make it a, a must-see place for poker players as they visit your town. Anyway, I'm taking a quick look at it. It's on a site called paybee, dot I-O, and it's being run by Poker Gives, which was the uh, Mike's favorite charity that he started with uh, Linda Johnson, Jan Fisher, and Lisa Tennant. Uh, so you can check that out and uh, benefit that by checking that out uh, today. Uh, the one interesting item they talk about in this story was uh, something that he had uh, from his uh, military career. And it was the uniform that he wore as a member of the 82nd Airborne Division from 1970 to 1973, complete with Sexton's name plate right above the right pocket and the paratrooper wings that he earned as a member of that contingent. I had no idea because one of my closest friends in the world was also in the 82nd Airborne. Wow, no kidding. So that's, that's well, I can't wait to let him know that information. <laughs> anyway, whole whole interesting group of things, and you can uh, bid on those until October the 26th. Uh, let's get to the story that I had mentioned, and I uh, hope that I can uh, do it justice. But it's written by Matt Matros, who we've had on the show one time years ago. And uh, we also, uh, uh, you know, have respected his work as he is a very great mixed game player. But he talks about Hold'em here and how to analyze a hand backwards. So uh, I thought it was very interesting. You know, normally you think about things like, you know, what should I open with depending on my position? Uh, What kind of hands should I three bet when I'm on the button and things like that? But he actually looks at this hand going backwards, and he said it was inspired by the World Recreational Gambling Poker Tournament, uh, a free tournament that they have every year. There's no prizes. Uh, The players only play for the glory. The interesting thing about this tournament is you have – there's no pressure on the time to make a bet. So it said it takes like maybe a full day to play a single-table tournament, and you can just uh, not be pressured – by uh, making quick decisions. And certainly there's not the high-speed adrenaline rush of the live games now, but he encourages people to try it. But he talks about a hand uh, in this tournament. I, I, are you grasping the concept right off the top? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, they're, they're, 
they're playing for the fun of it. Yeah, but I mean, this, uh, this uh, looking at it starting from the river, and he talks about a particular hand. You want to walk your hand back. That's yeah, what it is. you want to think about uh, maybe mistakes you made or maybe a better way to approach the hand. So uh, let's go over it. Uh, the board is ace and eight of clubs, which is uh, the Joe uh, Rodriguez hand. Ace is an eight. There you go. Uh, also, uh, the three of club, the three of spades, the ace of hearts, and the eight of spades. So, so there's two. There's aces and eights on the board with yes, a three of spades. Exactly. Okay. He, he said uh, on the river, he's the first to act in a heads up pot. Uh, he says his stack size is about seventy percent of the size of the pot. And he said, uh, his, since my opponent has the option to show down any medium strength hand if I check, you know, he said, I want to be able to bet my aces for full value. So that means I need to have hands. I can bluff. After all, he says, what opponent's going to call me if I only ever bet with aces full or better? So he said, some player, a lot of players are only playing their own cards and will call with pocket nines or something like that, even if it's impossible that they're good. But the point of the exercise is to develop, to devise a strong st- strategy against tough opponents. So he said, the ideal bluffing hands here would be low pocket pairs, which have no showdown value on a double paired no. board or any unpaired hand. So he says it wouldn't make sense to bluff with medium big pocket pairs. They wouldn't get any better hands to fold. He said, on the actual hand, I held ace and four of spades and moved all in, and my opponent folded. So he's asking, was this play justified based on my overall strategy? Uh, (laughs) Are you looking for a comment from me? No, not really. Uh, Because I'm curious to see how he works this backwards. Okay. For me, I'm still asking the same questions that I always ask as to how the hand played up to the river. Exactly. And also, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know as usual when we look at hands as to how, you know, uh, the type of style that the other players played and that sort of thing. But let's go on. He goes, says, at that point, you go back to the turn where the board is ace and eight of clubs, three of spades, and the ace of hearts. He goes, I'm still first to act in a heads up pot. And he said, if I bet here, I want to have a mixture of aces and bluffs. But it's not necessary that I bet anything. He said, with another street to go, it'd be okay to check all my hands, assuming I have enough aces in that checking range to call if my opponent shoves and enough bust hands to bluff the river in case he checks back. So in that hand, he said, I did check, and my opponent checked back. So now we go back to the flop. He said, with a board eight and ace of clubs and the three of spades only on the flop. I'm second act in a three-way pot. He said, I have roughly three times the pot in my stack and my opponent has me covered. The first player to act checks. I can't bet my entire range here because surely if I've made it to the flop, then I have a fair number of hands that prefer to check and call on an ace high board, namely big pocket pairs and weak suited aces but I can't plan to check and call with only those hands because I need to be able to get to the turn and river with some bluffs. So it makes sense to also check and call with some flush draws, much better candidate hands to carry forward, which are the other possible hands like uh, small pocket pairs. He said, I could bluff on the river with those. He said, I checked the last player to act made a near pot sized bet. The first player folded and I called. So then you go back to pre-flop. 
I opened under the gun for the minimum, got called by a late position player in the big blind, said certainly not much to talk about here, but note that it's important for me to have some suited connectors in my range in addition to big aces and pairs so that I have the option to create that bluffing range later. And his hand was ace four. Were they suited? I don't remember uh, now. Spades. Both of them in spades. Right. Okay. So no, then it couldn't have been. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, it was because you had the ace of clubs and the ace of hearts on the board. Okay. Right. So he says that's basically uh, how he reviews his hand out of order. He goes, I decided I should be checking and calling this flop with more flush draws than my usual typical style. Because if I check raise all in with my flush draws on the flop, I am likely bluffing too often since I'm not checking all that many made hands. So whether you agree with this conclusion or not, you have to admit that working from the river all the way back to pre-flop action led to some interesting ideas on how to play the earlier streets. Well, being that this is a pretty new concept to me, it's kind of hurt my head thinking about yeah. this. Yeah. You know, looking at it this way. Um and this tells you why, you know, such a great player, you know, as Matt is, you know, on the flop, if I remember correctly, as you were mentioning, he was talking about what type of hands he could bet with or check call with or check raise with right. that would lead him to having the best hand against an opponent or possibly running a bluff against them if he misses, if he misses his draw come the river. And, you know, that's next level thinking for most, you know, for the top right. pros. Right. You understand? It's I, about I my would pay rate. Pay rate. It, exactly. You know, because yes, will we be thinking of of throwing a bluff at the end? Yes. Are we thinking of throwing the bluff pre-flop or on the flop? You know, the large majority of poker players aren't. They're they're reacting practically to their hands. So, this is a great exercise as you get more and more examples to start seeing how, you know, a great player mind, you know, how a great player, excuse me, minds works. So that's where I would want to get more and more of these hands from him and, and, and the analysis that he's given us to how we would do it so that I could start using this as a learning tool uh, going forward. Do you have a pretty good grasp of, of what he's trying to do and what he's trying to say, basically? Um, uh, Yes, um, on some of those rounds, it's just because I said I don't think of it that way. Um, he's analyzes starting from the ending of the story going back, and again, for me, it's not something I've done before. So I'm trying to follow along with it, and it's not. It, this is more where I would love to see a lot more examples because right. I honestly right. believe that my mind, because of the way it works, would pick up on it. And this would probably be a tremendous learning tool for me. Um, getting it, you know, we're getting an insight to how a great player thinks, and 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 how he analyzes his hands backwards. Of, and and if you read it, if you read it from the end of the story to the beginning, you're getting it. You know, his his thinking. I would imagine going forward. Yeah. It's just addressing this from the back end of this, uh, but I'm sure. As each, you know, as as each level of the hand became available, those were his thought process. He's just writing it as you have to go back and see that you make a mistake when you're thinking was this on the turn, right, uh, right. on the flop. 
So, and again, I I have not thought along those lines, Dave. It's a tremendous concept, uh, something that you're going to have me thinking about all week long, to be honest with you, and something that I would love to get a lot more hands and thought process so I could start analyzing, you know, how great players look at some of these hands. Yeah, absolutely. And everything else. So, uh, but this is definitely next level thinking. This uh, article ran in Card Player. Uh, it's on the site. Uh, it's called Poker Strategy with Matt Matris, How to Analyze Your Hands Backwards. And he closes the story by saying, he said, even if you don't start reverse engineering all your hands, I hope this technique I've introduced proves useful in helping you find leaks in your own play. And if nothing else, gives you a method for analysis that will be a fun change from the boring chronological process you're used to. It is because, you know, the way he's looking at this, you could insert yourself at any point in that in that that analysis. OK, because uh, he's taking it from the river, the bet that he made on the river, all the way to his thinking uh, bef- before the call, uh, you know, uh, pre-flop. So, you know, like I said, this has really intrigued me uh, more so because I look at it as a challenge to. Hey, this is great information. I just got to know how to properly, properly uh, implement it, it to yeah. help my game. So, yeah, this, I mean, well, anybody cool. can look can look at maybe like a river bed or or the bet on the turn that you made a mistake that cost you money or you absolutely uh, needed to get get out of it. But uh, uh, this goes back farther, and, and it basically goes back to the setting up of those bets and and how you. Uh, you know, change your whole game by uh, the, the layers that you start from the beginning of the hand. Exactly, because like you said, any one of us that plays long enough can get to the river and say, "Ah, oh, damn, I made a mistake, you know, not pushing on the turn or something like this. But this this type of thinking lets you know, hey, my mistake may have come before or I would not have made this mistake if I had made these these decisions right. pre-flop or on the flop. And, um, you know, it's an interesting concept uh, of looking yeah. at this from a completely different angle. And yeah, exactly. I'd love to get a lot more hands to analyze that, to think, see how they think. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us in the show. Uh, if you want to check out that Mike Sexton uh, auction, uh, check out the article on uh, Poker News Daily. Or uh, just go to Poker Gives and they'll have a link to it. Some really interesting stuff on there. Also, uh, Borgata opens tomorrow. A lot of stuff happening in the world of poker. Um, we'll check it out. You know, we'll see as it moves along what's going to happen here. But uh, it's always interesting, always something to think about. Joe, thank you for uh, all your help. Joe got, uh, Costello, uh, your interesting uh, contributions early in the show. And then, uh, of course, all the work you do on this show to get it on the air. Uh, We'll be back next week with another edition of Poker Action Line. I'm Big Dave Lemon along with Joe Rodriguez. We'll see you next week here on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 